This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge at Wharton website. We're here today with Wharton Management Professor Jax Kirtley. Hi, Jax. How are you? Good. And we're going to talk to her a little bit about some of her research focuses. So could you tell us what do you study? I study early stage hard science startups. So firms that are spinning out of labs and new science and technology theory. And I'm interested in how do they, in their very, very first few years, how do they evolve? How do their strategies and their products, their technologies develop? And what have you found, like, over the course of your research, what are some of the things you found out about the way that they evolve? Well, one of the things that I found that was actually quite a bit surprising to me is for all of technology entrepreneurs talk of we're going to do what we're doing and then when we hit a roadblock, we'll pivot. They love that word. They don't actually. When they hit trouble, they hit problems, they firefight, they solve them. It's, what, it's the entrepreneur's way. When firms change, when they, when they evolve or really massively change what they do, what, what we look back and call a pivot, it's actually because of an opportunity that appeared that they jumped on. And then that kind of creates or starts off this chain of events that changes their strategy so that when something does go wrong, they've got this other path they're already on. Now, what does it, I mean, if other firms, how does it help other firms to look at the ways that, I guess, the firms that came before them have pivoted? I mean, what is it, what can we, how can we apply that to businesses going forward? One of the things it does is it gives us a sense for entrepreneurs just starting, what are the things we can help them as as a university, as mentors and advisors that to give them a sense of what the future looks like and what are the kinds of expectations they should have. The fact that your attitude is a little more of optimism than pessimism, I think actually makes, is one of the pieces of this finding that I find interesting. It's not the world is falling, crashing around us, and that's why we pivoted, and that's the stories we hear about. It's actually, everything is challenging, and we knew it was challenging. We're an entrepreneur. But there are these opportunities that appear that we never imagined that we, that these firms are embracing. And when they embrace them, that's their new paths and the paths that we are actually hearing about in these stories, these sort of heroic tales of startups of the past that have changed what they're doing and are now worth and valued at billions. So it could actually help entrepreneurs to maybe be a little more open to if a pivot does present itself, that they're not going to see that as a failure per se, but more as, you know, what it is, an opportunity. We've seen a lot in, and we've already, this is a a pretty major conversation going on with entrepreneurs and in in, um, business schools, the, the notion of fail fast, fail often. But it's still hard to, even if you accept that failure might happen, it's hard to, to wrap your brain around this is okay. But I think the when you look at the stories that we talk about, the firms we idolize in a lot of ways, a lot of them, something about them failed, but it was the opportunities that they followed that really set their future and their success. And so focusing on that is, I think, a useful thing for startups. Another piece of what I'm looking at is the role of other organizations and structures that help these startups in their process as they evolve. So whether it's venture capitalists that are involved as mentors and board members, angels and foundations that you work with, incubators and accelerators, all of these structures are there to help firms survive and do well and succeed and 
make connections. But there's also this piece of that story that I'm currently, I've just started a project to examine. They also direct you. They set you on the path they want you to have. Or, and that in some ways can also be a constraint. Because if the VC wants something, some big exit, financial exit in a short period of time, that may not be the best thing for what the entrepreneurs wanted or even for the product, the company they're making. So getting a better sense of how that works and how these structures constrain or direct startups is something that I'm really interested in seeing when these changes happening, how are they happening? Are they happening? Is there a way to make sure they happen for the best, both for the firm, but also for the product and whatever it is that they're making that's going to go out into the world and we're going to get to play with and buy? Right. Because I mean, it's I would think it's a huge choice for an entrepreneur, like this, this idea of like, how much do I widen my circle and let people in? Because when you widen your circle often of financiers or even of mentors, you're not just letting in their money or their advice. You're also letting in maybe their view of what the company should be. I had an entrepreneur tell me once that the second you say yes to an investor, you're married. And no, no one side gets to set the tone for everything in a marriage. And that's really what, what happens once you take money from someone. They're part of your firm. Once you really involve another entity, whether it's an organization like an accelerator or just a single angel investor, they're now part of what you're doing. And whether they're in a position of power where they get to tell you what to do as a board member or just advisor, they will, they will affect the path you take. So there's a lot of value, I think, in understanding how they direct firms and how they maybe constrain what path the firms take, because that's going to set where they can go and what they can evolve into. Mm-hmm. And now we have time for one more question. Are there any other things that you're looking into now or studying at present? What's next for you? Well, one of the things about my work that's, uh, I think, a little different from some of the work that's going on in entrepreneurship is I am very interested in hard science and heavy technology-based startups. It's not the same story to be an entrepreneurial firm with very little resources and very little money and develop clean tech, future energy generation or energy storage, big hardware systems. That's a very different story than developing an app or developing a web service. And Though a lot of what we've learned so far about technology entrepreneurship has been much more software focused. So these hard science and hard technology startups that have the potential to give us really great technologies to really help us change our future, they're not as well understood and not everything a software company can do or everything we can recommend to a software company is really applicable for a company that's making some kind of novel battery that they're going to sell to a utility. It's a very different story for them. So that's something I'm really interested in my work to expand the knowledge that we have and how we can help entrepreneurs doing that kind of technical work. Jax, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's podcasts on our website, knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find us on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.